Good morning, everybody, once again. Well, I'm just elated to be here this morning to share God's word with you. Um, But I'm even more excited uh, because in a few days, uh, my wife and I will celebrate 16 years of marriage. And we uh, we have grown so much together, and uh, we just look forward to growing even more in the years to come. Um, Pastor Brian is out, as you might have guessed. In fact, he's out of the, been out of the pulpit for three weeks now, uh, gone for two, sitting with us last week. However, he's yearning to get back, um, and he just uh, wanted to let everyone know that he will pick up next week in the Galatians series. So catch up if you need to. Uh, if you remember the first message that he preached, uh, it was an overview of Galatians on the first week. The second week was Galatians 1, and then the third week was Galatians 2. So he'll pick up from there next week, catch up if you need to. It's online. Uh, review your notes. Uh, it's going to be a good time of continuing in that series. Um, in addition, I just wanted to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we'll, or Pastor or Elder Keith mentioned earlier that uh, we will uh, be able to see Trevor and Glenn Uh, be ordained to the office of elder, and uh, that's going to be exciting as well. Join me in prayer. Let's open up and ask God to continue to bless his service. God, I thank you for allowing me to be in this sacred place, place they call the pulpit. Sunday after Sunday all over the world, this place is used for so many different things. But in this place, it is used to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ for your kingdom. And so as we go forward, I pray, Father, that you go before me and go before the people sitting here, that we may leave better than we came, that we may be more equipped as well. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you about one of the greatest spiritual journeys in the Bible. It's the story of Joseph. And if you're asking yourself which one, thank you, it's the Old Testament one. If it was the New Testament one, it would go something like this. Mary found out that Joseph was pregnant, or Joseph found out that Mary was... (laughs) All right, Lord. (laughs) Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant with child. And he knew that they had never been together, and he was never the same again. The end. (laughs) That would be it. Well, our spiritual journeys are full of moments, uh, discipleship moments, and they happen over a period of time. It doesn't happen overnight. It's like the farmer who uh, went to the city for the very first time. And when he went to the city for the first time, he had never been to the city before, so he's super excited. He's there with his son and his wife. And as they went to the city, they saw something called M-A-L-L. And they said they'd never seen a mall before. And so they're looking at the mall and they're excited. They go in and they see all the stores and the tags and the lights. uh, And they're just super excited about being at the mall. And then when they turned around, they saw a bank. And they had never been to a bank before. They were used to being on a farm and putting their money in tin cans and burying it all over. Uh, in mattresses and things of that sort. And so they'd never been in the bank. So they're in awe sitting at the, looking at the bank. And as they go inside of the bank, the wife goes to sit down and the son and the dad see a vault inside the bank. 
And they're looking at this vault. And as they're looking at the vault, they're looking at the vault door. And they see an old lady go in. And she's about 80 years old. She's walking with a cane. And uh, she's just slowly walking in, walking in. And they're watching her walk into this place called a vault. And about 30 seconds later, they see a younger lady coming out. She's in her 20s. She's walking fast and coming out quickly. So he sees the old lady walk in, the young lady walk out. The old lady walk in, the young lady walk out. And he leans over to his son and he says, son, go get your mother. (laughs) See, now, the farmer's wife would have not been immediately transformed and neither will we be in our spiritual journeys. Many times it's just a day by day, circumstance by circumstance, temptation by temptation, day by day walk with our God. And that was the case with Joseph. We're going to be reading from Genesis 39 today. So please take out your Bibles and your phones and walk with me to Genesis 39. Uh, We'll start with verse 6. Actually, we're going to start with verse 5. As you're finding your place leading up to... Our passage today, we hear about Joseph's life starting back in chapter 37, verse 2. He's only 17 years old at the time. And his life can really be summed up between chapters 37, verse 2, and chapters 50, verse 27, at the end of his life where he's 110. The Bible reveals to us that he was loved by his father more than any of his brothers. And regardless of what our world says, that is not normal. That's what we call dysfunction, amen? His father gave him a special robe with sleeves on it. It's often called in Christian circles a, a, a coat with, of many colors. Uh, but scholars tell us that there's no evidence of that. However, we do know that the coat indicated rank and privilege. His brothers hated him for having that coat. In fact, in one verse, it says that they could not say a kind word to him or about him. So Joseph has a dream that indicated his brother as well as his father would bow down to him. And basically his brothers say, oh, okay, you think you're all that? Okay, well, we'll fix that. And so while his brothers are grazing the flocks, his dad sends them out to check on him, not knowing that they were planning on killing him and not knowing that they would eventually sell him to the Ishmaelites who would eventually sell him to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's high officials. So now here's this Jew living in the midst of Egyptians, having been sold twice, learning a new culture, grappling with a new language, and in Genesis 39, chapter, uh, verse 5, he's now the property of Potiphar. It says, From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge... He did not concern himself with anything, listen to this, except for the food he ate. Now, this verse is significant for the narrative that we're reading today. And the reason it's significant is because you say, well, why is it significant? He didn't concern him with anything but the food he ate, which means that he just he had to go to the refrigerator on its own, on his own. No, not so much. So in Bible times, especially in the book of Genesis, food is often used as a trope or an analogy uh, for adulterate private affairs, uh, which is uh, very sexual in nature. So in fact, we see in a few places in Scripture where this is revealed. One of those is in Proverbs 30.20. It reads, this is the way of an adulteress. She eats 
and wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. The meaning of this verse means she lies with men, assumingly married men at times, and she covers her tracks. So when it says she wipes her mouth, that indicates that she's covering up. She's hiding something, and as we see, she does not tell the truth. Thus, I've done nothing wrong. So we find that Potiphar doesn't concern himself with anything but the food he eats, his Isha, his wife. This verse finishes now by saying, Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. Now there's only two other times in Scripture where this Someone's described this way as handsome. That's in 1 Samuel 16, 12. If you remember where Jesse was bringing his sons, and and that's the place where he says God doesn't look on the outside of appearance, but he looks on the heart. Um, And so that's one place where it was. And then it's also said of Absalom in 2 Samuel as well, 14, 25. So for it to be mentioned here is very relevant. Uh, Today, handsome's still used, but often, more often than not, we would say something like, Uh, He's cute, or she's fine, or he's hot. So think Denzel Washington, Tay Diggs, Brad Pitt, Ryan Seacrest, something like that. (laughs) Now, you know, it's funny. My wife, um, she came to me one, she came to me one morning uh, or one day, and she said, "Sonny, I had this this craziest dream." But as she's telling me she had this craziest dream, she's smiling really big. So I'm. So I'm curious now, well, what was the dream about? And she says, I dreamed I was married to Ryan Seacrest. (laughs) And I thought about it for a minute and I said, really? Ryan Seacrest? Out of all the people you could have dreamed about being married to, Ryan Seacrest? Pretty boy, Ryan Seacrest? (laughs) But maybe you can, uh, maybe you can relate. So we have this woman who is a wife of an official, uh, And we have this handsome man with a promising future in the midst of a confusing journey trying to do God's will. And they meet in chapter chapter, verse 7. It says, After a while, his master's wife took note of him and said, Come to bed with me. Some translations say, Come lie with me. He's now experiencing temptation. So Potiphar's wife says, Come to bed with me. Maybe you can relate. College students... Maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend wants to connect with you in a moment of weakness. For others, it may be a, a co-worker or a neighbor makes an offer to you while your husband's away. What will you do? The next verse tells us that Joseph refused. But these are the moments in our journey that we never get back. These are the moments of decision. As I'm studying this, I'm thinking of, too, that decisions that we make, you never get them back. So how you respond is important. I'm going to give you several traits today of a great spiritual journey based on Joseph's life. And the first one, as we see in this text, is Joseph had a resilient amount of incorruptible character. Incorruptible character. I did not get, my sermon was finished before I got the slides um, from the team about our prayer focused. And, and number two, if you remember the second slide, was about that. So I just see that God is just sort of working things out. It says, amount of incorruptible character, if you're taking notes. Now, incorruptible character doesn't mean perfection. Someone in here needs to get it out of their head that perfection is attainable. 
Perfection is not attainable. Mom may have tried to get you to be perfect because her mother tried to get her to be perfect. Dad may have tried to get you to be perfect. Grandma may try to get you to be perfect, but Grandma has all kinds of secrets. You need to not be so hard on yourself. God is a God of grace. Amen. Amen. Now in verse 7, notice that the writer uses the phrase after a while. After a while. And another translation says after a time. Which means this wasn't a one-time temptation. She regularly pursued him. She was assistant. She was aggressive. She was calculated. She was the devil in a dress. She came at him over and over and over again. Does anybody know what that's like? Most of us have faced temptation on a day-to-day basis repeatedly, but how would you stand on just repeatedly over the same one over and over again? In fact, let me rephrase that. How have you been standing? I'm encouraged by what Joseph does. He takes a stand in verse 8. Now keep in mind as we read verse 8, this is a Jew talking to his master's wife. Yet with boldness and authority, authority not from Potiphar, but from God, he says this in verse 8 and 9. Let's read it. It says, With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. That's another trait right there. You've got to know who you are in this journey. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. Because you are his wife. And then here it is. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Notice he didn't say, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against Potiphar? He's equating an opportunity for instant gratification with the standards of his God. He sees this position on earth like Ephesians 6, 5 through 6, where it talks about, uh, uh, you know, to obey your earthly masters as if you were serving the Lord. Second trait of a great spiritual journey is obedience to God. The last message in 2017 that Pastor Brian preached on December 31st was called the most important thing for 2018. And do you remember what one of those were? It was obedience, not just in temptation, but in doing the things that God has called you to do. So she's not worried. He's not worried about Potiphar. He's thankful for Potiphar. He's committed to Potiphar. He respects Potiphar, but his loyalty is to God. Third trait of a great spiritual journey is loyalty to God. Loyalty to God. What about you? You have a boss that uh, lets you use the company car. He gives you tickets to all the events, lets you bring your kids to work uh, when you don't have daycare. And then one day he just says, I, I, I want you to, um, you know, we need to give this report and we'll get a lot of funding if we can give this report and it goes through. So I just want you to sort of tweak a couple of things. What would you do? What will you do? Will you say, oh, Gosh, look at, what am I, I going to do? What, 
Look at all that he's done for my family. Look at all that he's done for me. What should I do? Is it a question of what you should do? Or are we going to be like Joseph? How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God? The word wicked is the, in this verse is a Hebrew imperative root of the word evil, and it actually is a reference to Deuteronomy 22.22. In Deuteronomy 22.22, it says as if, a, if a man sleeps with another man's wife, both of them should be put to death. Both of them should be de- put to death. Now, let me just make a, just a little note here. Everyone, a lot of people know this passage. And so in your head, some of you may have checked out because you've heard it preached so many times or what have you. But I really want to focus on his spiritual journey, his entire journey. So, yes, we're going to be talking about uh, this temptation. But I also want you to get it, that we're going to be talking about the life of Joseph. So if you're married today, how much is your marriage worth to you? Deuteronomy twenty-two, twenty-two. Is it worth death? Now, to, in, in today's day, it's, it's not physical death, um, but it could have spiritual ramifications. Well, I guess that depends on who you're married to. <laughs> if you're here today and you're single, if you're here today and you're single, how much is your ambition worth to you? Will you do anything to get to where you want to be? Will you ignore God while you cheat on your midterms and your finals? Will you stretch the truth on college applications and work applications? I just read an article a few months ago in Christianity Today about how many people in college get caught cheating and that, and that they get kicked out of college. And once they get kicked out, once they review everything, they found out that they were cheating on all facets of the entire admission process. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there was probably some parents who helped them to do so. Joseph could have said, let me go ahead and do this. It's just one time. I could probably fast track my career. Uh, I can get promoted, get more money. Then I'll never do it again. Just one time. But he didn't. He refused to go to bed with her. And then listen to what it says at the end of that verse. It says, or even be with her. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Joseph had self-control. That's our fourth trait towards a great spiritual journey. In fact, it's also a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians, we see this. And Paul, in the book of Titus, talks about self-control when he talks about elders. talks about young men. He talks about old men. And he tells women to teach this trait to other women. He tells older women to teach this trait to younger women. But at the end of verse 10, it says, Or even be with her. This means he had to flee. He did not linger. He didn't say, well, let me see. I'll I'll sneak you into my dorm room tonight, but I don't want to do anything. I just want to watch a movie. No, that's lingering. He didn't say, sure, I'll drop you off at home after work, even though I haven't asked my wife or I haven't talked to my husband first. You set yourself up when you linger. This is a good word for us today. How many of us linger when it comes to temptation of any kind. Let's pick up in verse 11, 11 through 15. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. 
She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But his but left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Remember that in her hand. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me. Anyone seeing this? And ran out of the house. So notice in verse 12, when she's talking, in verse 12, when the writer's telling us about this, he says that the cloak is in her hand. But in verse 15, when she calls in her household servants, she says the cloak was beside her. So what's the difference? In her hand shows that she was the aggressor. Beside her means that he was the aggressor. If she's the aggressor, right, in her hand, because he's running, he's fleeing, he's gone. As we used to say, he got ghost. So he's gone. And pro- but remember, Proverbs 30 and 20. She wipes her mouth. She covers her sin. She covers her tracks. She hides her sin. Verse 16 says, she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. The Hebrew slave that you brought us came to make sport of me. That as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She's consistent. She lies on Joseph. She's consistent, but it's still a lie. You ever have that happen to you? Someone lied about your actions to help cover up their own? Even though Joseph was lied on, he was faithful. He was faithful. Our fifth trait towards a great spiritual journey is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Though he found himself in these unwanted circumstances, he remained faithful. Later on in the story, we don't have to read it. To, we don't have time to read it today. But Potiphar's enraged with anger. He was livid after hearing that his wife had this encounter with Joseph. He sends him to prison, and almost immediately, he finds favor with the, the warden. Now you have to pay attention to this. All this is going on, but he's still finding favor with God. And it says, and he was again put in charge of everything. While in prison, God sets up a divine appointment between him and the cupbearer and the the baker. You all remember that story, some of you. And we, uh, discipleship starts happening under unworded circumstances. Leads to Joseph being second in command over all of Egypt. Now, second in command is typically not a position that you and I um, ever hear about except for the president of the United States, the vice president of the United States. I'll give you an example. Raise your hand if you've heard of Anthony Noto. I see maybe one or two hands. Anthony Noto is second in command at Twitter, well, until last week. Second in command at Twitter. He's now, uh, most of us have only heard of Jack Dorsey. How many of you heard of Sheryl Sandberg? That's closer to home. Okay. Maybe about 50% of us have heard of it. Sheryl Sandberg is second in command at Facebook. Most of us have only heard of Mark Zuckerberg. So Joseph is second in command and everyone knows it. And God is making sure of that. But let's be clear. 
It's not for Joseph can be inward focused and think about himself. Most of us understand that the higher the the position, the greater the service to others. This is true no matter what our culture says. So it's not for Joseph. It's for the saving of others. As a church, we're focusing on the gospel this year. And as one of the most important things in the gospel is getting it out, sharing it, not missing opportunities. I, uh, two, two Sundays ago, I uh, went to uh, teach somewhere, and I, I drove up. And it was about 10 minutes before their service started. I'm, I'm sitting in my car. I'm praying. And I see a man walking down the sidewalk. And as he's walking down the sidewalk, I notice that he has pajamas on and he has a hoodie on. And he's sort of walking, you know, a little side by side, no, no direction. Didn't seem like he had any, any specific place he was going. And as he walked past me, he, uh, I noticed that there, he had his hand in his pocket. And I looked down at his hand, and there's just a big bottle coming out of there. And, and I said, I remember we were talking about missed opportunities. And I was like, Lord, I, I should invite him in. I, I, there's 10 minutes. They have, to, they have to mic me up in 10 minutes. Uh, and I should invite him in. And so that was an opportunity for me. But you know what I did? I threw a fleece. I said, Lord, if you want me to invite him in, um, make him stop. Make him stop walking. And then I'll go up to him and invite him in. So he kept walking and I didn't invite him in. Uh, later on, just so happens that I was assigned a, pack, uh, a passage, Acts 2, 14 through 21. And the verse 21 says, And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. <laughs> And so I'm sitting there talking to, to these people saying, you know, I just had a missed opportunity. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. I asked them, what would it be like if I invited him in here? W- would you be okay? He came in here. He's, he, he's not going to leave his bottle outside. What would it be like if I invited him in here? And uh, you just sort of see all the thinking going on in the head, in their minds. So it's for the, the gospel. It's for the gospel is the reason why Joseph is being blessed. It's not for himself. Right? It's not for himself. So Joseph continues to be blessed and favored by God, even though he's not in this ideal situation. He suffered greatly. And our seventh trait of a great spiritual journey is suffering well. Suffering well. Sometimes when we find ourselves in these unwanted circumstances, instead of grumbling, complaining, checking out, anybody do any of those things? I'm not a grumbler or a complainer, but I can check out. But he suffered well. And when we do that, we would do well to remember that God is teaching us something in our suffering. He's teaching us something in our suffering. I want to read this to you. This is a writer for Christianity Today. She wrote a piece. Her name is Esther Fleece. And this is what she said about her spiritual journey in relation to suffering. She says, when I faced a prolonged season of suffering, I wonder why God was not answering my prayers. I wonder why he was doing this to me. But coming out on the other side of a lamenting season, I recognized God wasn't doing something to me. He was answering what I asked of him. I wanted to know God more. I wanted my life to count. I wanted God's favors and blessings wherever I go. I wasn't prepared to see that it might take a desert or a prison circumstance 
for me to experience intimacy with God. What have you been praying for? Maybe your spiritual journey is is just an answer to your prayer. Think about what you're supposed to be learning during this time. While in the pit, when Joseph put his brothers, put him in the pit, he was learning patience. While in Potiphar's house, he was learning leadership. While in prison, he was learning discernment and how to disciple others. All of his experiences were preparing him to one day rule all of Egypt. As I close today, I have a quick word just for those of you who are under 30. God placed this in my spirit several months ago. Joseph lived like this all before the age of 30. Did you know that? He's actually not 30 years old until chapter 41. Remember, I told you when we started off, he was 17 years old. Somewhere between 17 and 20, we believe 17 years old. So you all have a unique opportunity to turn it up for Jesus Christ in the Bay Area. So if you haven't already, I just encourage you to evaluate your lives. Um, you know, make those adjustments that you need to make. And maybe one day we'll be talking about you and what God has done through and to you and with you and for you like we're talking about Joseph today. Keep in mind, we don't develop these traits overnight. It's like that farmer we talked about that wished his wife could have been changed into a young woman instantly. But we do have control over the speed at which the process takes place. Having these traits will help, traits will help us to get there. Joseph says this at the end of his life. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to now accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Saving of many lives. I'm going to have you remain seated, if you will. And um, I just want us to pray. I want to talk about your spiritual journey. As you look at the things we talked about, loyalty to God, obedience to God, incorruptible character, not perfection, Some of you are looking at some of these traits and you're, perhaps you're struggling with one of them today. Or two of them. All of them. Let's just close our eyes. And if something in this message spoke to you, I just want you to stand where you're at. Everybody, everybody has their eyes closed, heads bowed something in this message spoke to you today, I just want you to stand right where you are. You know, sometimes when I listen to a message, keep your, you can listen to me, please. Every head bowed. Sometimes God may, I may hear a message on love and God will talk to me about giving. Sometimes we don't always hear exactly what it is that the message is about, but God speaks to us somewhere within. If you're struggling with your spiritual journey or you just never have given much thought to it, I want to pray for you. Stand right where you're at. If you, maybe you've experienced the temptation. Maybe you're experiencing the temptation. And your testimony is not, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God? 
Your testimony is, I, I've done the wicked thing. Now what do I do? Some of you need help. Just need somebody to come beside you. Others never thought about their journey. Whatever it may be, when God put it on your heart, I want you to stand where you're at. Every head bowed. Just stand right where you're at. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to come up. I just want you to stand where you're at because I want to pray for you. If you'll be honest with God and honest with yourself, sitting with your spouse, listen, the message, God could give you something about anything in your message. Maybe the both of you need to stand. And let's pray. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. It's what we just were singing. God, in this journey, we're, 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 we're wandering sometimes. Things are not always perfect. We have our highs and we have our lows. Someone's suffering in here, Lord, with their journey. But like Joseph... We must say that how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God? Like Joseph, we need to be obedient to you, Lord. We need to be faithful. But it's hard. It's challenging. It's tiring. Nevertheless, you've called us to do it. And as we saw with our brother Joseph... You will give us favor with yourself and with man. I pray for the hurt that's going on for with those who are standing, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would be with them right now. Meet them at their point of their need, Lord. Whatever that looks like, God, do it today, Lord. We pray that you don't delay. We know that everything's done in your timing. But our prayer today is that you would do it today that you would give them encouragement, that you would strengthen them, that you would love on them one more time. One more time. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.